What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined with my lovely wife, Jen, today. Hey, guys. Ryan. What's happening, everyone? With his lovely wife. Oh, I guess that's me. I'm Casey. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and, and joining us, we have a very special guest today from the First Round Flick podcast, Eric and Sandra. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Happy to be here. Hi. Thanks for having us. So um, Eric and Sandra are joining us because today we are kind of labeling this episode 101, The Couples. So we're going to look <laughs> at our favorite top 10. It may not be the best, but it may be it's our top 10 favorite movie TV couples. But before we get started, Eric and Sandra, if you want, guys want to give a little plug to your podcast. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, our podcast is called First Round Flick, and it's kind of a basic draft format. So Sandra and I run it together. And we pick a topic, and then we go back and forth picking movies until we have 10 total. We each draft five. Uh, so it's a fun way to just kind of cover broad topics and the movies that we love, touch on them really quickly. Um, so we've done six episodes so far. We're coming out with them every Friday. Um, but yeah, we're really glad to be here. Awesome. So the news for the week, there's a lot to cover um, I guess we can get started on something that we missed out on last week, our 100th episode, because we were just jam-packed. Um, CW News, uh, the Crisis on yes. Infinite Earths casting. So there is a lot going on here. Uh, as a fan of old DC cartoons, I am loving the news that Kevin Conroy is playing a live-action Batman on Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is pretty awesome i thought that was a fake when i first saw it i thought like someone was just joking around because i mean they got burt ward they got so many other people from the past it's like all right now they're just pulling names out of a hat i would have i would have assumed that if adam west was still alive he would have probably been oh yeah brought in as batman because they're using burt ward they're using old batman from red sun so that's a that's the brandon rouse superman that he's coming into the show so it's cool to see kevin conroy put on the suit or do you think he, right? Do you think he'll have the suit, or do you think it'll just be Bruce Wayne? I mean, from the picture, it looks like just Bruce Wayne. But I gotta hope they just give, they let him put on the suit after, you know, almost three decades of work. You know what I mean? Like let him put on the suit, damn it. <laughs> and then also more on the crisis news. I don't know. This hasn't been confirmed. I don't know if anyone can, you know, has heard any different. But Mark Hamill may be playing the Joker. On oh shit! So I didn't I, hear that. Whoa! Yeah, I read this. I don't think it's a credible source, so I don't know how whether to say yeah, this is gonna happen. But if he if it does, it seems like it's going along the line of honoring past DC uh, icons at this point. Because I mean, Burt Ward is synonymous with being Robin. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us look at Chris O'Donnell and be like, that's the definitive Robin. Seven, <laughs> 75 year old Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> Laundry ninja Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then some more C, some more CW yeah, news. So I really can't believe like some of the names. And also, I read somewhere that they're actually pulling in um, their Black Lightning into this universe now for this crossover event. So they're going to have their TVs. Uh, Black Lightning cast on there, so that should be really cool. And like you said, Burt Ward and just some of the names are just going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And that's just what they're telling us. <laughs> yeah, I, I compare it to DC TV's Endgame. Like, this pretty much is going to yeah. end a lot of stuff on it. So, I mean, with that being said, I was talking about Endgame, Arrow is on its last season, and then Colton... I don't watch Arrow. I don't know if you guys do, but Colton Haynes is leaving Arrow right before the beginning of the last season which is for arrow fans is that surprising or is that something that you guys saw coming he's very wavy like i'm a season behind but he like through his entire run he's been on and off on and off special appearances so it kind of sucks but it does it does make a little sense knowing him okay from his history and then moving on to more more dc news this is another rumor that i read this week that john david washington may be playing two-face in the upcoming the batman film directed by matt reeves i right absolutely, <laughs> i absolutely love that casting what do you guys think uh eric sander on that uh i mean that sounds great we are not the biggest uh comic book superhero watching i am oh, okay. i'm really look i'm looking really looking forward to the joker uh later this year um but we i'm definitely more of a dc person yes yeah, as here. opposed to marvel it's if for me it became like a hard thing not to be supporting the Marvel brand, which how, how well they've they've created this massive universe over the past like ten years, so yeah, definitely, it's very polished. It's hard not to be sucked in by the Disney machine. Yeah, I mean the Disney the Disney machine is going to run every studio by the end of like <laughs> twenty thirty. <laughs> also, for a person like me who's just it's, I'm not drawn to superhero movies, but it's impossible to ignore now because they're kind of inching towards awards fair and just so ingrained in in our society now that you you kind of have to follow it a little bit yeah um but uh we have been really curiously watching these as they kind of perk into award season like black panther last year and the dark knight once upon a time and just curious to see what the next movie that breaks the the oscars is i i love that compared bringing up the dark knight i think the dark knight is the perfect example of a movie that if it came out today, it'd be a Best Picture nominee, a Best Actor nominee. It, it I think it would at least hit the majors and then the pre and then some of the tech awards because it dominated. It did very well in the tech awards and obviously Heath Ledger won supporting actor. But with the way the scope of the box office and the world is pretty pretty much a superhero genre based, you know, it, in Hollywood, I think they would take such command of the oscar season if if released today but absolutely but on the contrary to that if it wasn't for the dark knight we would never have a 10 you know nine to ten best picture nominees because i've always been very very adamant that's that the change of the oscar rules to include what going from five to ten and then now with the preferential ballot was based on dark knight not hitting the best picture five that year yeah that, that's yeah, I agree. It's true. So it's all progress one way or another. One way yeah. or another. And then the fact that we don't have that, um, what's that most popular film anymore? I think there's... Oh. <laughs> there's <laughs> well, ho- hopefully. It might still come back. They keep threatening it. I think they're slowly going to just like forget it ever existed. And then that's it. 
I remember when when this news first came out, uh, we discussed it on the podcast. I think Jenny's the one that found it. I think the first Academy Awards had two best pictures. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah. And I didn't that, have a comedy and a drama or or something along those lines. And then after that, they just slowly just said, you know what, we're never going to bring it up again. And I think the same thing is probably going on with this most popular thing. It felt like a way to give Disney an Oscar for a best picture in a way, and it. And I'm glad it didn't happen because we got Black yeah, Panther. Yeah, because Disney needs more help. Yeah. So it was actually so it was outstanding picture, and then it was best unique and artistic. One thing's picture. for sure: next year's show will be earlier and short. I can't imagine it being shorter. It's so I'm so used to it being four hours. I can't see the Oscars ever being shorter than four hours. <laughs> um, but but yeah, before we get into the Oscar stuff, a little bit of more news: uh, Andy Serkis is directing Venom. Uh, nice. I, I I don't know, right? I don't know. Really? I mean, I... he has two movies under his belt. One of them I haven't seen, which was going to be a player in the Oscars about two years ago. I forgot what the movie's called. Uh, but then he directs Mog- Mowgli, and I don't like Mowgli. I don't know if you guys have seen Mowgli. No. No, no haven't. Yeah, it's not... It's the year you you released that a year after the Jungle Book, and you're just trying to make this edgier version of the Jungle Book, and it's not I, to me. It didn't work very well. Um, but yeah, Andy Serkis directing Venom. The movie made like a, a bajillion dollars, and I'm sure this one will probably do the same, especially with fans of Andy Serkis. Um, do you think we get Carnage? Yeah, he's supposed to be the villain. Have you seen Venom, Ryan? Yeah, I seen Venom. Yeah, yeah. So I think we get Carnage. Um, and then movie. Moving on to the most depressing reboot news of the week, and I guess blame Bob Iger and Disney. Um, Home Alone is going to be rebooted. I am this so mad about so this. <laughs> no need. Yeah. I, I, Didn't they kind of already try to do that with Home Alone 3? And Home Alone 4. And 4. And 4, 5, <laughs> however many they made. You know, I actually enjoyed Home Alone 3 a lot when oh I was God. a kid. I remember, see, I remember being with, too... Uh, Alex D. Alex D. Liz, yeah, Liz something Liz. like that. I remember being, I think I was like... It was hot around that time. Six. Home Alone, no, it was 1996 or 1997. So I was about 9 or 10 years old. And I really didn't know what was going on. I just saw Home Alone 3's coming out. And mm-hmm. let me go see it in theaters. And I'm like, this is now Macaulay Culkin. Who is this child? <laughs> um, That's the one with the chip, right? And like the race car and stuff? Yes, yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, and then this fourth one was a direct DVD, and I've never seen that. So I have no idea. I know the McAllisters are. It's about the McAllisters, I believe. I just don't know. They pro- I think they recast everybody. So, I mean, I would you guys... Since I we're all on board that this new sucks, would you guys be on board if they make it as a sequel to Home Alone, like it's Kevin's kids? But it's not going to be Macaulay Culkin. It's just unnecessary. <laughs> no, it's extremely unnecessary. <laughs> I feel like that would be the only way it works. Like he's the dad now. But yeah, he's I not, would have to be extremely be. on board for Macaulay Culkin as a dad. Yeah, same here. I don't see him like doing it. He's got his like pizza band. Like he's doing his own thing. I don't know. I don't Maybe his response that. to the news was hilarious, by the way. <laughs> yes, I was just going to mention that picture that he tweeted out. <laughs> if so Home Alone was made today, he's just sitting there with chicken wings and on his phone. But <laughs> like, I want out. that dad. That dad should be in the next movie. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think too, it's 2019, 
And it, I mean, I think every Christmas this meme goes around that if Home Alone was today, uh, you have Kevin text his mom saying, you left me. And then that's the end of the yeah. movie. <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> so I'm, I, I guess the curiosity comes in, how the hell do they make this happen? If they, yeah. you know, if it, and then they're also remaking, I mean, I don't know if you guys are fans, but not at the museum. They're rebooting that. And I really liked the first one. Same here. Yeah, the first like one was it. fun. Yeah, it was nice. It seems a little early. Yeah. Yeah it, yeah. yeah, it feels like the way they just do the third one not too long ago. No, like maybe within like the next four or five, five years, years ago. Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I never knew that franchise to be a franchise that's like screaming to be rebooted in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think I think like the originals are enough. Like, yeah, there's no I, need. I agree. I mean, it did give us Rami Malek. I recently found out he's in the Night in the Museum franchise. And yeah, I, he's King Tut, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I think we've learned that rebooting things with Robin Williams doesn't go so well. Oh, exactly. Not, I agree. Not a fan of Aladdin, <laughs> I, I see. Not not a. It was it okay. was fine. I I am on board with saying I enjoyed Aladdin. About a hundred times more than I did Lion King. Oh! Lion King. I. <laughs> here's my thing. I. I mean, Aladdin for what it was, it tried to maneuver the story in a different direction while keeping the same iconic moments. I'm watching Lion King and I'm like, why are we giving Psycho shit for being a shot for shot reboot when this <laughs> is the exact same thing? And we are going to do Can You Feel the Love Tonight During the Day? Like, I love that. <laughs> so, I mean, it looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It looks gorgeous. But I just... Yeah, it's so pretty to look at. But everything else... But you just yeah. really wanted the genie to have a sex life, finally. I did. <laughs> I did. That's, that's what it all comes down to. I, if, there any, if there is anything to like that I pretty much despise was the portrayal of Jafar. Like I felt yeah, like he felt like a, bad. he felt like a villain of the week for the Power Rangers rather than like an actual <laughs> someone that's so, like go ahead. So was Scar though. I mean, they were just both awful. Yeah, I agree. I totally yeah. agree. And I mean, it just fell so flat. It was just there was just something about Lion King that I couldn't even get into. I thought about leaving to be quite honest. That's why. Like, wow. Without that's, this, that's how I felt when watching Midsummer. But that's. <laughs> we're planning I on going to see, see <laughs> we're planning on going to see midsummer later today oh i would love to hear what you guys think because <laughs> i went on a tangent last week of how terrible i think it was i know i had oh, i, I, I just ahead so i didn't yeah. get spoiled but <laughs> it's i'm obviously no spoilers ahead it's for someone that loved hereditary as much as i did i i guess that's probably why i was so i guess angry about it because a film as great as hereditary and this is your follow-up I'm like, oh my god! Like it, it was so disappointing. I, I Jenny, uh, well, a few I'm years ago when we saw Mother, psyched now. It, it, it's gonna be a nice two and a half hour movie that you're, you know, there's a lot of nothing that goes on. So, I mean, I, I mean, if you guys, it is, it's, it's certified at 82 on RT. So, I mean, people do like it. I just, it just didn't gravitate towards me at all. Um, but yeah, with that being said, let's move on to what we watch this week. There. I am on a mission to watch 500 films this year, Eric and Sandra. So I pretty much, I use um, Letterboxd. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. And since you guys do top tens, we actually do every week, 
if we do a top 10, I put it on Letterboxd and I share it on, on our Instagram. So once you listen to the podcast, you get to see the list on our Instagram as well. But uh, with movies that we watched this week, um, there's a lot. Starting with, we saw Scary Stories. What is it? Tell in the Dark. So we liked it, but it was more, I thought it was for kids that are too young to see it and too old to see Goosebumps. That's hmm. Okay. Yes. Did so, you guys read the book when you were younger, though? Jenny or did. No. So I did. So I think there is actually three books. Um, yeah. And so I know I definitely read at least one of them. And actually, my favorite story and the one that, like, always freaked me out and I've never forgotten is actually called The Red Spot. And it's the one they do do it in the movie. They do a, uh, they do a different version of it, but essentially it's the same thing. So I don't know. Is it a spoiler to say what it is? I don't, I don't think so. Oh, I, I don't remember well, that one, but I, I think, don't care. I think they did a good job at it. So it's basically in the I'll tell you the actual story and then you can see how they do it in the movie. So basically, it's this woman who realizes she has this like pimple on her cheek and she's like, what is oh, it? Right. And she's like, so she decides to go in the bath and she's just chilling. Right. And I guess the steam from the from the water is just sort of making the pimple bigger and it's like looks like it's about to burst and basically as soon as it bursts it's all these spiders that come out so it was originally a spider bite and they just start all popping out and like basically like eating her alive like that is traumatizing I don't like spiders and that could also be why when I read this as a kid but I was just like no so they do it really I think they did, did they, a, an interesting did they do version. the woman with the scarf did they touch on that one? No. No, I don't think so. No. They do right. they do a scarecrow which is on the poster of the Yeah. of which is pretty cool. For a PG-13 movie, they do get pretty graphic on some of these I guess quote and unquote I, I feel kills. Like the movie set it up that there could be a sequel. Right? And it made a lot of money. So Yeah. Like there's yeah. plenty of stories to work from. So they could essentially sort of continue it if they wanted to. Yeah, cuz I was hoping that they would make money because I did like the movie enough that it could warrant a sequel and it does warrant a sequel. It's not like a, a blatant setup with no reason for yeah. it. This is actually a decent setup for, but you for know a sequel. what we did hate was the experience of sitting in that theater. It was, so we went on a Friday night and we typically don't go right. Like we usually Thursday, Thursday night. night is our opening night when we really watch movies. And so we were there on a Friday night and it was seven o'clock show and then Jen had John Madden sitting next oh, to her with the play-by-play the entire movie. I had a couple movie. next to me that was commentating <laughs> on everything. Every single thing. There was a That's reaction, a thing. And I, you know, I asked them, I was like, can you guys keep it down, please? Like, whatever. And she's like, yeah. But nope, they did not. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to fight this anymore. And then there were, like, a bunch of kids just running yeah. around like running around back and forth and in my head i'm thinking you pay so much for a movie ticket nowadays if you're not a list or if you're you know didn't you know i mean i guess if your parents are paying for it cool whatever but still like you're you're not watching the movie you're not actually watching you're running back and forth in the theater like leaving the theater coming back leaving the theater so it's like how are you even enjoying the film yeah yeah pretty, that's pretty like sense. lion king okay. we went during the day and there was kids and it just not that the movie was so great and I wanted to say so much, but like, you know, with kids and stuff and like they're running around and you're like, <laughs> yeah. sounds like movie hell. If yeah. I could see so, every movie at Alamo draft house, I would. Yes. That's oh, actually yeah. our favorite theater. That's our go-to theater whenever we can get there. 
because we have it. We have one in Brooklyn, yeah. so it's a bit of a commute for us. But we go. We went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there because it was on thirty five. Yeah, we go every once in a while. I mean, I'm interested to see once they start up because they're starting their own kind of subscription service. So I would be down to to get that. And they're actually going to open one up um, downtown near South Street Seaport in New York City. So that actually will be a little bit closer to us um, because we're right outside of New York um, from the Lincoln Tunnel. So it'll be really, really close. And then we get to have I mean, I find that their food is a thousand times better than any kind of like AMC dine in. Um, it feels fresher, you know, they make it on the spot. Um, and, and I also think it's just there. It's not even just that, Sandra, Eric, I know you, you mentioned you go to Alamo. I think what Alamo does better than anybody is you get an experience. You yeah. don't just get like you're yeah. going to a movie. So that's I what... remember we went to go see um, Phantom Thread in Denver. It was in Austin. It was in Austin. Sorry. Yeah. We just find them wherever we go. But I um, mean, we got this really cool booklet with some of the dresses in the movie. And oh, it was just so cool. Yeah. And I think we uh, we got a film strip, a 35 millimeter, millimeter sh- film strip when we saw For once Hollywood. Upon a time, yeah. And then the great thing I, that it, about Hollywood is that they show the most obscure movies sometimes there. Like for you guys are new listeners, Jen loves Grease, too. And they actually put that. I do love Grease put that too. in theaters and they had the director <laughs> there. And I'm like, and it was sold out. And I'm like, why are people why do people like Grease, too? It was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And I had my VHS copy of Grease, too. And she got it ready signed. to go. Of and course I got she did. It, and I got it signed. I'll never. I yeah. Really never the only person that owns Grease, too, on VHS there, Jenny. So actually, <laughs> randomly, I found it. So we go to this horror movie convention and it was sort of in a bin of VHSs and it was like completely wrapped brand new i don't even have a vcr and i, I wonder why off of that yeah, yeah. how then, much how much you pay i think i paid like two dollars for you it. overpaid uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fun you know, movie. you really feel david i have, I have never said grease 2 is not better than grease grease is a classic but it's it's still fun it's very it's fun in the culty sense like sure. the music is fun you just really Nah, it's fine. You keep hating. I have oh. my own clan out there that loves Grease too. Cool. They're out there. Yeah, they are out there. And then, and um, then we can they're just special sing the kind songs. of people. The, the other new release that we saw together was Hobbs and Shaw, and it is what it is. I mean, kicking butt. The kicking Rock. Names. The Rock literally held the helicopter with his bare hand. Cool. You know, wow. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> Are you more of a fan of superhero version of Fast and the Furious or like early heist film Fast early, and the Furious? Early heist films. I've been out on this franchise. Like Jenny loves the franchise still. I don't. I think it's it's over the top. It's like it wants – it's poor man's Marvel. Like it really, really wants to be like Marvel. Gotcha. But I, I personally love – the. my favorite is still the first one. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I think that had the most heart out of any of the, of the movies. Oh, no, admit, I've never seen them. any of them. So I've only seen Tokyo Drift. Root for the underdog. Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Uh, I think I think the fourth one might have been the first one I saw. And then I think one of the first podcasts I ever actually did was I had a friend who was really likes the um, series a lot. So we went and saw Fast Five and then we came back and did our instant reaction to it. Um, it's entertaining. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's there to, you know to just be an over the top because I, I i say that but at the same time i'm a fan of over the top action movies from the 90s and i think this is what it's turned into like an yeah over- and for me like i go in and i know exactly what to expect i'm not going in there to have like i'm not going in there to think i'm going in there to see them have fun on screen 
drive these fast cars, wishing I had a fast car that I could just like leave the parking lot and be like, room and like just go out. Um, and it's it's just a fun time. It's it's exactly just what I expected a fun to time be. at the movies. Yeah. yeah. It's something different. You sort of just kind of escape into it. And then you're like, yeah, that would never happen. Driving right underneath that truck. But okay, cool. Maybe one day I'll try that. No. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's yeah. what these Disney mo- remakes kind of are for for us. They're just kind of like fun, frivolous songs we already know. Yeah. It's like a sing along for all of us. And love yeah. The songs. And so, they're yeah. trying to, you know, they're trying to find a way to reintroduce themselves to a younger generation i mean even i forgot where i forgot how we got into this or where it came up but i think someone had said um you know i'm a big fan of old movies and classic film and i love black and white movies like i have no issue it does the black and white i grew up on them and so i've always watched and gravitated towards it but you know kids today don't they don't relate to a black and white movie. They don't like that. So, oh, we were watching. So, we, actually, the other thing we I watched. I Love Lucy. I Love Lucy on the big screen during her birthday on August 6th uh, for the Fathom event. So, they were saying that a big reason why they're beginning this colorization process of of the episodes is and then airing them on CBS because they've been a ratings hit, of course. And then, you know, kids today, they're trying to re- introduce them to it. But a lot of them don't gravitate towards the black and white. And so by doing this, it gives them opportunity to, you know, see something new, learn something new. Um, So I think I find that that's interesting that but, you know, like my kids, when I have them, are definitely going to watch black and white movies for sure. Um, And I don't know, it doesn't take. So, yeah. So it's interesting. So I feel like you have to reintroduce, right? If you want to keep things alive longer. Yeah. But that's like the, the point. black and white movie my kids are going to end up watching is Clerks. So. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's on the list. But I think the problem with reboots and remakes is the great thing about storytelling is the telling of the story even through another perspective. Like old movies like Costa Blanca and stuff like that live on because other generations show it to other ones. We don't need a Costa Blanca remake. You're not, God, God, I'm no, not putting it out there in the world at all. I'm not trying to put it out there in the world at all. Don't I'm saying we cannot do it. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's, those classic movies were supposed to live on through passing on through generations. Just like, you know, we planned on showing our kids our Lion King and our, you know, the first Toy Story. And that's the great thing that Toy Story did <laughs> is it made sure it kept the same tone, same story, but made it for each generation. And you grew with each characters if you started with the first one. But if not, it was very easy for any generation to jump into those. I, I remember watching Toy Story 3, and my he was going off to college, and I was graduating college. So I feel like my end of my childhood and the beginning of my adulthood ended began and ended with Toy Story 3. So I totally agree with I you on that. that. I adore that franchise. Um, another thing that you mentioned about reboots, and the problem is, too, is that they're so – you don't have to try. You can make your money. Yeah. As much as we love Marvel, I mean, Marvel was not – there's nothing original about Marvel. It's all based on, you know, adapted from comic books. There's That's why I think studios are feel fearful of not being able to make their money back. That's why I love that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is making money. Although I think mm-hmm. it's more Tarantino than the actual you know, movie substance in the film. But okay. that's an original story that's actually making money. But stu- original movies rarely make money nowadays. That's the problem, I think. That's why they keep making these reboots and live off. But of I have a less of a problem. 
I have a lesser problem with uh, adapting a, from a comic book or adapting a book or adapting anything than just straight up making another movie that was already made. Show me something new. Show me. We had the technology to do so many amazing things, and you're showing me the same shit I saw back in the 90s. Like, what the fuck? You know what, you know what the thing is, though, with the Disney ones? I think they're getting so much backlash like Aladdin and The Lion King is because the animated films are so near and dear to our heart. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, if they do something like I don't know if your favorite one is the Jungle Book out of this new array of live action. The L- Jungle Book is my favorite, but the contrary to that, I don't love the animated film. So I was all on board to see what they do with this with this story because the animated film was never really it's nowhere near the top of my favorite. So I think next year because I don't know that there's this giant fandom for Mulan. I know it's popular, but not on the level of like Lion King or Aladdin. I think Mulan will be one that's going to be critically praised and praised by the fans as something that, you know, it's feels new. And another thing, there's no music going to be in. There's no, there's not going to be any music. I was just about to say that there's no Christina Aguilera singing reflection for us. So, (laughs) or like Donny Osmond. Yeah. And there's no uh, Mushu for the dragon. Like, come on. What's going on? The comedy like, relief. Right, but are yeah. we sure? Like, did they confirm that? Yes, or they we, did. They did? Okay. Yeah. It's there's just going to be a story of her. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, but there's, it's just a story. So okay. There's this inherent bias in these Disney remakes that the original wasn't good enough, right? That's what gets people upset when you remake one that's beloved, like The Lion King yeah. and, and Beauty and the Beast. That's why... That's why there's so much outrage when they come out regardless of what they are because people are just so attached to the original and maybe that should be a sign that maybe we shouldn't remake things that were great in the first place. I mean, I guess the idea... Yeah, I get the idea of updating for the graphic design. Like, I mean, I will say that. Like, the Lion King, as much as I was not a fan whatsoever, it was a beautiful movie. So sure. I get that's the only thing that would that kind of the only excuse really they have is we want to show it with the new update technology the way we wouldn't be able to do it back then. But that's why you guys had the Disney Plus for. And do it on there. Were, when we saw it, we were like, you know, what would have been really cool of Disney if they would have just released Circle of Life with the updated CGI. Yeah. Like people would have been blown away. But then you make them sit in a theater to watch the whole remake. And that's that's just a lot. That's it's, a lot of CGI lions. And it's and I love how they and towards the I think around the week before the release, they decided to change what the term was. It's not live action anymore. It was photorealistic. Because they knew, like, all right, this isn't, you know, lines can't talk, you know, so. I mean, I was impressed, by the way. I think they did a terrific job. I think the fact that we have this technology and we're able to, and I can only imagine that in another 20 years or 30 years, when they probably will remake it again, what it'll even look like. <laughs> Maybe there will be real lions talking. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but They'll I, train the real lions. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone can do it, it's Disney. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, another lot. This is an original movie that I saw. Jen didn't see this with me. Um, she mentioned she didn't want to see it, but I saw it yesterday, about two weeks ago. I did want to see. Oh, it. how was that? I want to see that. So, but... uh, San- oh, no. Sandra, Eric, did you guys see that or? Not yet, but we want to. So I like it. I liked it quite a bit. I see why, you know, I think it's like a 60-something on RT. I see certain flaws with it. It is what it is. But when I'm talking about a movie that I can... I love the Beatles. So if I'm talking about a movie that you can really escape and just see modernized versions of their songs, it's perfect. I thought it was great. Um, 
And they do, there's a trope that some of these movies do that I was afraid at the end of this movie would have, and it didn't. So that I liked a lot. So, I mean, for, it was a Friday afternoon. I was like, oh, let me see what's out there. And I quite enjoyed it. I also went on a tangent and a binge on uh, horror movies. I actually would watch all the Nightmare on Elm Streets. And they still, I mean... Outside of the first one, the third one, and Unite and New Nightmare, they're not great, but they're still overall really still entertaining. Are you guys, Sandra, Eric? Are you guys into the horror genre as well, or not really? I mean, we're starting to dip our toes, and that's a little bit thanks to um, Jordan Peele. Yeah, and with, uh, again, and, it becoming Oscar fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you did? Oh, then I guess I'll ask you since we're on the Jordan Peele thing. Did you like Get Out more or Us? Get I out. really loved Us. Yeah, I'm but not... I like Get Out too. I I li- I like both of them. I think Us was incredibly underrated. I yeah. think it's going to pop up again at award season, and that's one of my my uh, my predictions. I guess is that Lupita Nyong'o is going to is going to be mentioned. I hope so too. Hope. She was just so good, and that movie was really great. It just got kind of buried in that early. Well, we're starting to get a lot more like upmarket horror. Like I guess mm-hmm. Jordan Peele, and you could put it in that classification as well. I agree. I I think with the whole, um, and we'll get into it in a few with the Oscar predictions. I think the problem with us right now is because I personally enjoyed us more than Get Out. I think they're both great. Don't get me wrong, but I just I like the fact that with us, uh, jo- Peele decide decided I'm like we're not going to change tones. I felt with Get Out, the fr- you had a great suspenseful tense social commentary for about um 80 minutes and for the last 20 minutes you decide to go just go straight horror i'm gonna take your brain and put it in this person's brain and it just went in a direction that didn't seem consistent with what he was trying to do the whole movie as opposed to us us was like consistently his message was direct from beginning to end and i feel that he didn't lose himself on here the way he did the last 20 minutes of us. I mean, of Get Out. I still love both of them, but I I think the for Oscar, I think the fact that I, we're not talking about it right now, the way we were still talking about Get Out two years ago is what makes me a little weary. And I hope you're yeah. so right because I love Lupita's her performance is one of my favorite of the year. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure if we'll be talking about us, the movie, but I hope we're talking about Lupita. Yeah, at least if someone gets a nomination, I hope it's Lupita. Um, yeah. And then finishing it off, I saw uh, some documentaries on Never Sleep Again, Friday the 13th, Crystal Lake Memories, and I saw Dodgeball because I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. We were talking about Macaulay Culkin before. It's called The Good Son. Have you guys ever seen that? Oh, yes. I love The Good Son. So Jenny, I showed it to Jenny. She had never heard of it before. So I showed it to her. What do you think, John? I had not. Um, that kid is crazy. Oh my He's gosh. nuts. No, I think he did a great job. I mean, being right, like you're this child actor and you have to do all these bad things, I guess, lets you have some yeah. fun with the role. Um, I had a period of time where I was very into uh, psychopathy in college and child psychopaths, and that was a great movie to watch. I was going to say, that's the perfect movie to watch. That, it, like, yeah crazy and a young elijah wood as well like i think they both played off of each other really well and then i was like it's the mom from santa claus i forgot her name yeah i now. forgot her name but too. uh yeah no i thought it was a really good movie really strong um definitely felt very because it was 90s right 1994 definitely felt very 90s <laughs> so throwing it back um but yeah crazy crazy kid um 
yeah. And just what did he do? He threw like that. Yeah, he threw the dummy. He, that he threw the dummy on the highway and he oh caused an accident. God. Yeah. That watching that scene made me cringe. Um, yeah. yeah. What did you see? You didn't see anything else, right? Just glow, right? Glow. So I spent my Friday watching Glow. <laughs> Season three is out now. Um, watch it. I the reason why so. I have a love hate with like binging sometimes because then like now I have to wait a whole other year for another season. But at the same time, I know that Netflix, you know, while they don't really release their numbers, they really do go off of how many hits a show will get in the first two weeks that it's that it debuts a season. And so I really want Glow to be renewed for season four. So I was like, you know what? I got, I'm just going to binge right through it. And um, really strong season, I think, definitely sets up for a season four if there is one. So Netflix, if you're listening make it happen um great show Allison Brie uh Betty Gilpin they bring it again and again um one day it'll win an Emmy cast yeah it keeps getting nominated every year I know but you know what I even if they don't win I I prefer the nominations because then that tells Netflix hey we have something strong like they're not just gonna go willy-nilly and cancel or maybe they will well they own it so they I though they should be they should be fine (laughs) so basically that's pretty much what I watch yeah glow what about you Ryan Ryan Casey um, not much. I actually watched this movie about time. Not sure if you ever heard of it. I've heard of it. Um, yeah. it's all right. Like it, it was a nice, it's a good little story for those who don't know. It's like a, a dude when he turns 21 learns that he can time travel in his life. So if like, you know, he messes up on a date, he can go redo the date. If he misses some uh, important meeting, he can go back. Like, so it's a fun, like little indie film. It was a lot of fun. Um, Shield, I'm all I caught up on that season finale was phenomenal. Um, can't wait to see what they do for the especially knowing it's the last season. Um, I am all caught up on Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome show. Would you, um, you did you think season three was stronger than two? Um, it held my attention a little bit more. I'll say I, that. Like, I think I, three is better than one and two, actually. Yeah, I will say that. Like, I call my, I didn't ha- be look. I wasn't looking at my phone quite as much. Uh, like, that's one thing I will say about three. And um, been catching up on Supergirl on the DCW, trying to get ready for the crossover because I'm so far behind. I actually just finished season three of Supergirl. Nice. I'm guessing. But now I'm just on catch up. I'm guessing Casey's on the same as you. I have not watched Stranger Things at all. Ryan has just been watching that during his lunch. Um, I'm all cut up on The Handmaid's Tale because I love that. And it's getting pretty good. Um, and as for a movie, I watched... Uh, is my mic... Yeah, everything's falling. I'm sorry. Um, and then I watched uh, Then and Now because it came out on Netflix. And I love that movie. So that's it. That's all I watched this week. Nice. What about you, Sandra and Eric? Um, we finally watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this oh, week. Oh, what do you guys think? I liked it. Yeah. Uh, it's very Tarantino. I want to go see it again to kind of get a better grasp, to pick up all the references and kind of see how I feel about it in the ranking of Tarantino movies, but it was enjoyable. Okay. And I'm not a huge Tarantino person, um, but I did like this one. I think it was his prettiest, less least violent film, which... You know, I like so that was that was good, and it has Leo and uh, Brad Pitt, and I love movie stars, so it, it was it was a good time. Did at the you movies. guys? Did you guys? Every uh, movie I'm, should have. Leo I'm glad it. you mentioned that. Um, Jenny, po- <laughs> Jenny shared. Yeah. Jenny shared an article with me uh, from Hollywood Reporter, pretty much stating that Leo is the last big movie star, as in 
his name will still will bring people to the box office as opposed to now franchises and directors bring people to the box office. Do you agree with that? That Leo is pretty much the last of a dying breed? I don't know about the last one. There is it is a dying breed and I feel like I see these articles all the time. Like the Tom Hanks is the last movie star. Meryl Streep is the last movie and there the, I mean there is a few of them, but I think there's a there there's a there's a club like if there's a George Clooney movie coming out, you're going to go see that George Clooney movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it isn't just Leo, but it isn't a lot. I just don't, we haven't progressed into the next generation of actors yet. Like we see them coming up, like maybe Timothy Chalamet will one day be that kind of person. Um, but the, the leading men are st- from the last generation. So like that Leo age are still um, kind of in charge. Yeah, I, but, I agree. But- but will there ever be another generation? Because we have just such a diverse spectrum of things available now that there isn't that like one movie that everybody sees anymore. I think it's a franchise-based Hollywood now rather than a superstar, you know, Hollywood superstar-based yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, I I like the article. The reason I really – the best example I could use with I why I feel Leo is at the top of the – that – small list that you named is because um jenny's a big leo fan and her friends are big leo what fans. and um Surprise. so <laughs> the revenant when the revenant came out i remember being literally shocked that it was making so much money and i'm like this isn't a movie for everyone i personally enjoy the revenant it's a beautiful looking film and leo's incredible in it but the fact the subject is not for everybody. I mean, I and I know, and I know that Jen would never see a movie like that no. if Leo wasn't in it. Uh-huh. And I know her definitely. friends, all of her friends, went to see it, and they're definitely not going to be into that type of. Yeah, movie. I mean, it's not that like I can't see, but I need to be in a mood. I need to be in the right mood to see a, a, a period piece like that. And so, really, for me, the driving factor was Leo's performance and hearing how great it is and. And obviously mm-hmm. just seeing him, because, I mean, he w- he wasn't looking beautiful there, per se. He was very gritty, very, you know, and like, yeah, but that's all about his method and his acting. And so, like, and he's doing it and he he did a terrific job. I mean, essentially, you know, it was him and the handful of people that were around. Tom Hardy. But mainly him yeah. throughout the movie. And it's a strong movie. Now, will I go back? Will it be one of my favorite Leo movies to go back to and watch Probably all the time? Probably not. No, not really. It's not my favorite. Um, but it's I, a beautiful movie. I think he should have won. I don't know, if, uh, Eric and Sandra, if you agree with this. I think he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street over Eddie Redmayne. I think he should have won for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, that that's true. His, that's true. His I, first ever. Not, yeah. I, I still think that's his best movie ever. And I I love that movie. You know, I think it's the Oscars being the Oscars. Oh, we're going to get him one day. Let's not give it to a kid. I think also <laughs> oh, yeah. for yeah. him being his age and the way he was able to portray the character and do it so well. Yeah. And it's respectfully, just too. Like, it wasn't. And even, I mean, someone, oh, last week, Serge also said the way, like, he portrayed Rick Dalton with his stutter. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't felt you know, more authentic, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and true, I apologize. True. He didn't lose to Eddie Redmayne that year. He lost to Matthew McConaughey, which makes me wish he <laughs> won it even more. <laughs> yeah, but I enjoy the reconnaissance. I think uh, Wolf of Wall Street. It was just hard given the subject matter. Yes. Like if you yeah. award Leo, you're in essence awarding that human who was a okay. scam artist. Yeah. yeah, I agree with. But you. I, I think he I, again. I think he has a shot this year. I think it's he's my number one right now. Yeah, I. It, if if ever he had a chance, 
for a second Oscar. I think this is it. So, yeah, I, and I, I think that's one of the things Tarantino does so well, despite the fact that I'm not big into gore and violence. I think his casting is just always so brilliant. And, and do you he did it again? Do you think and Jen and Rye, case you guys can attest, you know, give your opinion on this. Do you think that when we're looking maybe to the future, if there is a superstar, you know, an old Hollywood superstar, you know, in the new age, do you see Margot Robbie as someone that could be become a face that her name will sell? I think she shows the potential. I think it's a little, still a little too early to say, but I think she definitely could be because she very easily. her performance as Sharon Tate as you know, minimal dialogue she has and very subtle. I think thought it was tremendous. Like that scene in the theater is one of my favorite scenes of the year. Just her. And I, th- it was shot beautifully too. Just her with everyone in the background, just her facial expressions to all her scenes. I thought it was so great. And I, I think she just spews money. I think she is actress wise. I think she may be someone that may take that mantle one day. I think it depends. Has on she the done rules. anything bad? Te- she... I mean, technically. Yeah, Suicide Squad. Yeah, I mean, I was but that she was bad in is what I meant. The pr- the problem with Marco Robbie is that she's too hot. Like she tried <laughs> when she tried to. Play... No, it's true. Like when no, she tried right. to play when she play, tried to play I Tanya. Eric and I left the movie and we were like, I mean, that was a great movie and she did a great job, but I did not buy for a second that that woman was Tanya Harding. Yeah, she. Yeah, like, oh, that's a good just, point. It's just not. It, she's a she's supermodel, too and attractive. <laughs> she's just too hot. And then in 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 Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that was perfect because it was just a a vehicle of her hotness, right? Like we just saw her <laughs> dancing around to a record for the majority of her performance, and then this beautiful scene where she watches a movie. And I mean, that's the the gist of it, right? And and she did it beautifully, but it was mostly her just being gorgeous. Yeah, she's. She might be super good looking, but I also think that she's doing a really great job of playing so many different roles. Like she does the funny, she does the serious, she does, you know, the, you know, whatever. And I still think she's great at portraying everything that she does. Like I've never seen her in a role and been like, uh, like she, you can't really take her seriously as that role. Like I really think she's, she really has that about her where she can play pretty much any role and she really kills it. Yeah, she's very talented. She's yeah. she also tries really hard. You can tell she's yeah. a hard worker. What so you, far a great what do you guys, career of movies too. What do you guys think? I mean, since I think the Jennifer Lawrence train is over. Um what about Emma Stone? She's not super hot, but she's She's exactly the right level of hot. Yeah. So That's perfect. <laughs> that really is. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. She can pretty much play again like Margot Robbie. Like she's done La La Land. She's in the House Bunny. She was in yeah. Super Bad. Like she's done a bajillion things, and everything she's done, like she always kills it. And it's it's like, again, she's just. And you're right. She's like just that enough good looking that she. Yeah. Can, they can either ugly her up or they can like hot her up, and you're still like, yeah, great. Like I she's believe perfect. it. And I so. think the other the other aspect of that. I mean, it goes both ways. I think my favorite actor of all time is tom hanks and i think part of that is just because he's such a blank slate like you can see him in sleepless in seattle and he's like a hunk but then you can see him in you know something else like i don't know the terminal and he's like like a grumpy like yeah yeah, castaway whatever (laughs) yeah that's a better example thank you because he's Um, not hunky there yeah (laughs) yes thank you uh but he's just i mean come on his hottest role was forrest gump come on (laughs) <laughs> yeah. what, what was that mermaid movie he did 
Splash. Splash. That mermaid uh, movie. It's a classic. That mermaid. <laughs> the Little Mermaid. No, I'm just kidding. How's every Marvel movie being released doesn't know the name of Splash? <laughs> <laughs> and like the name Madison was actually went on the rise after that movie. Fun fact. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a good. It's a good t- debate to have. I mean, I think it may be a while, if ever, that we ever get another name itself that sells because it seems like it's like i mentioned it's just franchises and directors like i i'm a big christopher nolan fan and i don't even know what the hell this new movie's about but it already has my money just because did you see the teaser yet i heard it was playing before some unfortunately i didn't we were i made sure we were there early to make sure because we always love seeing the trailers but i specifically wanted to be there early just in case i i got it and i didn't get it but apparently I don't know how accurate this is. It doesn't seem like a Nolan thing to do, but it may be a sequel to Inception. I don't know how accurate that is. I think Inception's perfect as the way it is. We don't need an, anything to, along the lines of a sequel to Inception. Agreed. Well, whatever it is, I I love him so much. Yeah. I'll I'll be there on Thursday night. What do you? I I see director wise someone that's getting. I personally love everything he did. He's done so far. What do you think of Chazelle? Because I I I've noticed lately he's getting a lot of hate. For, for his type of filmmaking. I personally have loved everything he's done. I'm just curious. What do you guys think? We liked First Man. I think that it wasn't what people were expecting. Yeah, no That's dancing. part of it. Yeah, no dancing. I mean, he has some diversity yeah. in what he does. I'm definitely curious to see what's next. He's so young that it's... So have you guys heard what his next project is? No, yeah. please so, tell us. Oh, yeah. So it is a film on a silent film star from the 20s. And he is casting Emma Stone in that role. I'm going to get you the exact... You got it, Jen? Yes. Okay, go ahead. The name is Babylon. Uh, and so... Well, I don't think it's officially... But it's pretty... Cast, yeah, but it's pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. And, you know, they tend to always work with the same... Yeah, and I think this will be Emma's second time with him. Right. So it says that it will. the film will take place during a transition from silent films to talkies and will feature a mix of real life and fictional characters similar to Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, budget is to be determined, but he's planning on assembling his all-star cast, including, with, including Emma Stone. Um, and also yeah. news broke the day after that article was released that Brad Pitt is also in talks to join that movie as well. Well, that so sounds. Jenny, oh, sorry, do you, Jenny. Do you think it'll be in black and white? Ooh, at should, least part of it should I be feel right. Like I think Chazelle is Chazelle's a student of film. I mean, I I adore La La Land, but that's pretty much the same premise as the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Well, so I mean, as a he f- filmed the movie too, like especially that opening, right in cinema in Cinemascope. So, so I feel like he, I'm sure he will probably do a nod to it. I would actually be interested to see how. He does it. It almost kind of reminds me, right? Like when we go back to black and white recently, the artist and so how they did I it. I don't like the artist at I all. I didn't mind <laughs> the did artist. You guys, did you guys see Roma? I All right. I so did, here's yes. my thing about Roma. I And I thought it looked, I mean, I think the Ro- beautiful. Cuaron deserved every award he got last year. I just found the movie to be very dull. I did not enjoy it as much as a lot of people did. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. That, yeah, but I I was very close to the subject matter, and also I love him as a director. But I mainly what what I was going at is I think he used black and white in a way that was modern. really beautiful and modern, yeah. and not 
antiquated or fussy. And so it makes me really hopeful that we could do black and white and and get away with it. Maybe in those artisan films, and probably not the next big Disney release, but it'd be cool to see. would be funny if Disney ever decides to go in that route. But I think it will be more artisan prestige films that go into the let's do black and white. Yeah, so it just... actually if he does, I would be actually, that would make me more interested. I mean, I'm going to watch the movie, but... I, I mean, Chazelle, Chazelle for me, he's three for three. So I, that was, that's why I was curious. Especially. All right. So moving on from that, I, I saved this bit of news because it's going to lead to our Oscar uh, talk right now. So this is direct from Tiff's artistic director who says the Joker is a cinematic achievement on a high level. And I'm going to read his quote verbatim. Um, first of all, it's terrific. So it should play on our largest stage. But it's really an original take on comic book movies and on the Joker character in particular. It's not based on an existing story, and it has one of the greatest actors in modern cinema, Joaquin Phoenix, in the lead. And Robert De Niro is in it as well. One of the best actors that has ever lived. But it has an interesting tone approach to it. It's set in the late 70s, early 80s, and it feels like it was made then. It's gritty in its look. It has references to Martin Scorsese's filmmaking, which made me very happy. And it feels like a cinematic achievement on a high level. Although it's working with a populist material, it has a great ambition, and that's why it's a gala at our festival. So, you met, you guys mentioned before, Sandra Eric, that you're paying more attention to these superhero film, comic book films because of the, you know, movement into prestige Oscar talk. Mm-hmm. Does this, do you like the fact that, does this intrigue you more that a movie like this that should be premiering or releasing trailers or doing panels at Comic-Con is saying, no, let's hold off and we're going to go to not just Venice, we're going to TIFF as well. Yeah, that makes me very excited. I mean, I was very intrigued from the first time I saw the trailer, but that just goes back to kind of like the dark night and the genesis of, you know, what I love about superhero movies. And there's never been a more iconic villain than the Joker. So it's interesting to have another look at him in a way that is unique. It's also I'm also very apprehensive though because Heath Ledger is just perfect. I mean, perfect. And how do you how do you take that mantle? I, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is also great, but I I think there's no tougher role to take than somebody who's beloved and recently deceased. <laughs> I I just can't imagine how hard that would be to try to embody that character. But it's also rebounding from Jared Leto. Truth, but I don't think anybody <laughs> remembers that. So. I think um, uh, Ryan and Casey and Jen know, like, the Joker's outside of Batman is my favorite comic book character. I've always loved the duality between Batman and Joker. And I feel that I think he doesn't have to be as good or, you know, as Heath. Because I think every Joker performance is, like, I feel like his origin is multiple choice. Every performance of the Joker is different in its own way. There's never they're never copying each other. Like you see Ledger, you see Nicholson, it's two complete performances. You see Hamill and you see Ledger, completely different, and then you see Leto, and um, it's completely different. So I've, I I feel like he has that going for him that he can be great, but the comparisons outside of maybe comic book fans who you know have their unique ways of thinking uh may 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 uh may look at it as something greater and original because i don't there is an overwhelming i don't and i see it on social media uh erica sander on this a lot of people don't like heath ledger's performance in the dark knight and it upsets me quite a bit 
And I don't what, understand that. That accepts me a lot of it. <laughs> I think it's my favorite best supporting actor win. And I've seen almost every single supporting actor performance. I think it's the my favorite it's my number two favorite performance of all time. So it's it's it just amazes me that there is but on the counter to that, you know, there's no one's ever gonna like everything hundred percent. But it just amazes me. They just me that. didn't not get hugged as children. <laughs> I just how? <laughs> Sometimes it's got to mask. Why so serious? Yeah. Slapping right now. <laughs> so let's move on to to um, to some of these Oscar predictions. I'm not gonna go through all of them. I have a I have every category, but we can go through some of the main categories. So and you guys tell me if you guys differ or if you have them in different orders. So for best picture, my number one right now is The Irishman. Do you guys have anything different right now? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't that impressed by the trailer. I love what? It. We'll see. I loved it so much. I mean, it is Scorsese, so I'm not going to rule it out. The best part about that trailer was what seeing Joe What did you Pesci. like about it? <laughs> Ryan. 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 <laughs> Eric, Ryan, calm down. It's like you're phoning out. I'm curious. Calm down. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I just. I didn't get a strong sense of the narrative. Oh, I, okay. I, so I feel that it gave me more than I expected narrative-wise, because I thought it was just going to be all right. This guy killed Jimmy Hoffa, so on, so forth. Like you expected but, more like a teaser, teaser. But like the where f- they don't really give you much. Information. Well, no, but the fact that it made it seem by the teaser that it's going to involve the mob's ties with, politi- with political events, it made me even more curious as to how they played that into the film. So I don't know. I I, I thought it looked beautiful too, and seeing Joe Pesci on the screen for the first mm-hmm. time in God knows how long just made me very happy um but what about you sander you have that at, at number one or you have something else as well i don't i don't know if it's at number one i think it's definitely a contender i have my eyes set on um won't you be my neighbor the oh a beautiful day in the neighborhood yeah yeah yes. oh sorry, sorry. <laughs> get confused get with, confused the, with the, documentary. the documentary which was so yes. great which was, was so great, great um, documentary I, yeah, and we I think we have a tears. lot of we have a lot of momentum from that mockument documentary and Tom Hanks and Greta Gerwig, which, who's done such great work. I just have a lot of hope that this is going to be a Tom Hanks nest Oscar vehicle and be a really great movie that that people can really get behind in a way that that we haven't had in a long time. It's been a while because he hasn't been nominated since Castaway. So yeah, which is shocking. Yeah. I'm shocked. Um, Even though the post was nominated and he and was he praised for his performance, but he he wasn't nominated. What uh, Eric, you since Irishman is in your one, do you have anything at the top right now? Or uh, I think that yeah, I think probably the same. I agree with Sandra. Okay, but it was it's always dependent upon the director. So I mean, you could be right just because it is Scorsese that has a lot going for it. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is going to get a nomination, too. So oh, it's, some... I have it everywhere. I, it's yeah, actually so, my number two right now. Yeah, so it's definitely got a chance. Um, I don't know if it's going to win because it is Tarantino, but it, so it I, it's, it's going to get up there. I heard earlier this week that the Oscar voters had the Academy had two screenings this week or this week or last week, and they were both jam-packed and from the responses the voters adored it so they well that's pretty much yeah pretty much the whole love letter to hollywood is a big was a big thing 
the other one that I've kind of got my eyes on is the Little Women reboot, which I know it's a reboot, uh, but it's got Saoirse Ronan and Charlemagne, and I just think the cast could really... My only hesitation, I originally had it in my, my first round of predictions. The only hesitation I have is that it's not going to any festivals. Yeah. That's the only thing that's holding me back. But, I mean, I've never seen any of the Little Women. Jenny has. Uh, it's never really was my cup of tea. I'm more of a fan of the book, actually. I love the book. The book is fantastic. So, and I just realized yeah. I said Greta Gerwig was directing. Oh, no, yeah. She's directing Little Women. She's directing Little Women. I Ma- got confused. Yeah, Mario Heller is directing. Mary- Beautiful Dinner. Both great lady directors who I'm rooting for. <laughs> um, a movie that keeps coming up my list, and every time I see the trailer, I love it, is 1917, Sam Mendes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Can't work. Can't root out a war movie. Yeah. And Jenny, can you tell uh, tell everyone the how you feel about Saving Private Ryan? I haven't seen it. What? No. <laughs> I know. I'm not. I don't really it's okay. gravitate I get... towards war movies. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it till like to cup like this last, like last year, year. yeah because yeah. we were i love tom hanks and right. eric was like you have to see this movie i was like but it is so bloody <laughs> um but it is worth it it's a good movie i'm actually like i don't mind so much about like the blood is i'm okay with because i like horror movies it's more just you know it's it's you have to be in the mood for the subject matter it's it's yeah. it's, it's upsetting it's very immersive watch, yeah. especially if and, you're being and this one particular yeah, if you're being like sympathetic or empathetic, whichever one it is, towards, you know, what's going on screen, like it's a very heavy movie. Like for a long time I couldn't even watch Room because I've like I read the book I read the book it's an and the movie, book though. is great, so I knew what the movie was gonna be about. But it's it's upsetting. Well, so I feel like mentally I un- need to be in that mode to and you know, I do. I tend to gravitate towards movies that are fun, that are lighthearted. Some, you know, sometimes there are movies that I like love watching. They make me think or or there's a twist, um, you know, anything Alfred Hitchcock. I love, you know, and classics. But war movies for me, I've always like I've seen them here and there, but I don't I don't go out and like ultimately like well, seek them. But I did like Full Metal Jacket a lot when we saw that for the first time like two years ago. But that's I know I know that that's different. From yeah, Saving it's Private Kubrick. Ryan. Yeah, Kubrick is it's totally different. different. Um, so well, one you day also, I will watch it. Jen actually also <laughs> saw two movies for the first time last year. She saw Schindler's List for the first time last year. Oh, oh, that's another and one she saw The Shawshank, one of my favorite films like ever, The Shawshank Redemption for the first time last year. I did. I'm jealous of you for having gotten to see both of those for the first time. And, uh, How uh, He broke me. Well, Schindler's List is obviously. Schindler's List is one of my favorite movies, it's... which is, says a lot about me and math that i am but i just love but, it. but but i get it because i mean the subject matter is as terrifying no, as as, as terrible as it is spielberg never gets gory at all in that movie it's more about the storytelling of the events that are going on not like let's just show know, you know just, so ugh. the movie's perfect schindler's is absolutely but it gets perfect. So it's perfect there's it gets gory without having to be gory like the scene with the where there's jacket. just like the stacks of shoes and the red jacket. The red jacket. Oh, I, I, brilliant. And it's funny brilliant. because I'll, I mean, as perfect as it is, and there are many moments in the movie that you can cry and tear. Spielberg has to say, "No, let me give you one more moment of tearing with John Williams' score and everyone leaving a rock 
on on Oscar Schindler's grave at the end of the movie. That absolutely breaks me every time. There's actually one more thing we watched this past week that that might be worth noting. We are getting ready for our next podcast episode, um, and we watched a documentary on Steven Spielberg great. on it's HBO. It's great. Which, last year. which is great. I don't know if you guys are into documentaries yes. as much as we are. I, I love we, documentaries. David but we watch yeah. at least a documentary a week in this household. So that was our, our documentary last week. And we loved it. It was it, it it was a long sit, but we learned a lot. Speaking of long great. sits, uh, Ryan and Casey, I guess question goes out to you too. Um, have you guys seen? Because I think it's it's probably it won the Oscar, and it's my favorite docu- documentary I've probably ever seen because of the nature of the the subject matter. Have you guys seen OJ Made in America? Mm. I have not. No. Yeah. No. What a, so good. Yeah, it is. I've always, I've always felt, and I remember when I first By saw the end it, of it. You're just like he so did it because like, the first so one. <laughs> <did it. laughs> so guilty. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> after you've earned your minor in uh, criminal justice with the with the specification on O.J. Simpson, you can make that diagnosis. Oh yeah. Oh. Like I feel with that, the reason I love it so much is because it doesn't vilify him from the get. It lets you vilify him with the facts of the case. It doesn't try ah. to. It doesn't take a side. I feel it's. He stays right down the middle, and as it progresses, you. It's pretty so much, good. Yeah, I I loved it for its context about understanding the social moment because everyone yep. knows OJ. Everyone knows the legend of OJ, but like we were all kids when that was happening, um, so we missed that like context of how important it was of kind of that black white divide. It's really informative. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, all right, so moving on, the rest of my list looks like this for Best Picture. I have Marriage Story because it keeps coming up everywhere now. Um, I have The Goldfinch. The first first trailer was a little better than the second one. That's why I moved it down. I had it a little higher. Um, I also have The Report, Harriet, The Laundromat, and Ford versus Ferrari. I have The Laundromat in there because Meryl Streep is in it, and if Meryl Streep is in it. It's guaranteed. <laughs> it's like... Love at least for, for her. Meryl. Yeah, at least yeah. for Meryl. Um, yeah. Director-wise, right now I have Scorsese at one. I, I just, I don't know how you guys feel about the last few years of splits. I really hate that they split so much nowadays. I don't know. I I, I think that the idea of like best picture coinciding with best director feels like the proper thing to do. I don't know. Maybe it's just me on that. I mean, it makes more sense yeah. because since they're so intertwined with those two awards specifically, mm-hmm. in general, I do like some splitting to because you don't want to see the same people coming up over and over. Like we get it. A particular movie's good. Um, I, it feels like that trend can't keep happening, though. And I think when a movie wins Best Picture without the best director, it takes it away. It, it, yeah, it discredits it. Like everyone knows Green Book wasn't actually the best picture, no, you know, no. Although I'm th- I think I may be the only one that predicted it. I just I just couldn't see it. I, I as much as Roma was getting all this praise, I just couldn't see the Oscars saying we're mm-hmm. going to give this Netflix. Not just and I think it had the fa- what it had against more strikes against is that it was a foreign film. Like Netflix, the Oscars is going not only going to give a Netflix best picture, you're going to give a foreign film best picture. I just didn't see it. I didn't yeah, see it, it was a hard sell. This year, but, though, may be different. That's why I have The Irishman at number one, because I feel like Netflix threw Roma in there as it's kind of a test. Like, let's see how we do. And the fact that it didn't just do well, it did incredible. 
now with the Scorsese boat behind them, I think they could push it over the over the top. Yeah, the Irishman is way more commercial. So I think that's really what it comes down to. Agreed. Um, with that being said, I do have Scorsese right now at number one in director. I have Tarantino at two. Even though I'm going to move him down to three next week and move Sam Mendes up to two. Um, this may be a stretch, but I have Casey Lemons. I have two women in in director. And with the way the Oscars roll. I what don't a know. losing ballot. I know. No I just can't. I mean, it's it's hard because you have three women that are very capable of getting in here with Greta Gerwig, Casey Lemons and Mario Heller. So yeah. it, it's I'd be very I'm going to be very upset if not at least one of them doesn't get in. If one woman doesn't get nominated for an Oscar this year, I quit. <laughs> Jenny, how do you feel? <sighs> well, I. I, before Jenny starts, I did tell her originally that I had two women nominated. She's like, yeah, let's see, how, let's see how that goes. Yeah. I hate to be cynical, but I know that the way – I know how the game is played here. And so I would love to see both obvi- – like, here's the thing. For my thing, and I think I've said it before on this – on the podcast before on a previous episode, um, you know, I feel like you should get the nomination if you merit – if you have done a terrific job at at directing, if you've done, you know, like don't give the nomination just as like a oh yeah we a diversity, you know, mm-hmm. quota that you want to fill. Like definitely don't like only if it merits it. But I think too is that like sometimes studios don't push up certain movies or certain female directors the way that they could or promote their movies in the same marketing capacity that they do male directors. And so, you know, I feel like at the same, right, because all of this, I mean, the Oscars is essentially you're marketing yourself and hoping that you get these votes to get on the ballot. I think it's perfect. Perfect example of a great direct, a great directed film by a female in the last like two years was Detroit with Catherine Bigelow. And she got no love. She got no love. Yeah. And she's a winner, which is even worse. She's the only winner. She's the only winner. So which is even crazier that they would disrespect so her I would not love to her. see both these women um both of david's choices direct uh nominated for but uh, it won't happen but i don't know that it will i think the best shot right now if it does get it's in is a girl. Beautiful, no is a beautiful day Be- in the neighborhood okay. yeah i think it's actually Holder, but but the, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? I, I think it's a numbers game. The more women we can get in the category, the more women that will be a, a seen as okay to be in the category moving forward and and so forth so even getting the nomination is a huge deal like i care more about them getting nominated than a woman actually winning yeah um just for the exposure and all we were and it's crazy because we i felt that until the name was announced i wasn't even sure about greta gerwig two years ago where for ladybird i was i thought she deserved to get in but until they'd said her name on nomination morning i was like ah Man, are they actually going to give it to her? And I'm glad they did because she mm-hmm. absolutely deserved it. But before we move on to actor Ryan, you saw all these trailers. Uh, and I know you're not really into the Oscar scene. What did you think of what you saw? <laughs> um, the war movie does look phenomenal. I do like the plot where, you know, they have to go save the brother. Um, Ford versus Ferrari. Um, growing up with my uncle being a huge Blue Oval guy, I almost have to go see this movie. Um, no, they all, like, yeah, no, one, from everything I saw, like, I mean, I am pushing for the Irishman just for, you know, everything I love about that, but, yeah, every, 
Yeah. Everything looks good. All right, cool. All right, so moving into moving into lead actor, I think we can all are we on all in the same boat that Leo's our number one right now, or do you guys have someone else? I agree from what I've seen so far. Yeah, I have Tom Hanks at two. It's hard not to put him at two. To bet that Tom Hanks is going to be my number one, but (laughs) (laughs) but we'll find out. I mean, the trailer looks great. I that scene and it's so heartfelt, especially that scene at the end with them on the train when they're singing the song to him. Yeah, you see all the diversity of all the people that love Mister Rogers. I think that's very powerful scene but i do hope you mentioned the documentary before i hope they do that scene in congress where he goes to congress to fight for pbs yes mm-hmm. yes we yeah. need to do we need to have that that could be his, to have slightly outraged tom hanks yeah that could be his oscar scene if if they do it um moving up to number three because i just can't you can't avoid this buzz i have joaquin at number three right now for men, for a few reasons. Obviously, the buzz that's getting the film premieres in two weeks. Um, he's never won an Oscar, and I think they like to reward those that haven't won over those that have won. But until the movie gets the critical acclaim, I can't put him anywhere near the top as of yet. I actually would have wanted him to have won the Oscar for playing Johnny Cash. He should have won. Walk the line. I, I think he did a great job. So. I mean, Sandra, Eric, that year, and Ryan Casey, if you guys have seen it, feel free to chime in on this one. Um, So I think the Oscar could have avoided this and given him his Oscar by doing this. Jamie Foxx was nominated twice that year. Give him the Oscar for Supporting Actor and Collateral, and then give Joaquin Phoenix the Oscar for Johnny Cash and Walk the Line. And problem solved. Did he win for Ray? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I really did like his performance in Ray, too, though. I, I did too. I just felt Joaquin. I like Joaquin's take as Johnny Cash a little bit more. I actually like the movie. Yeah, that more. was a great performance. And the fact that uh, uh, Reese was was Reese that won Reese that year. Won. Yeah, yeah, so she did win for the film as well. To finish off what I was saying, um, yeah, so Reese Witherspoon won the Oscar for Walk the Line. So that's why I figured. I actually thought Joaquin had a great shot, but I also think the problem is too he shits on the Academy a lot. <laughs> Yes. So that's a big problem for them. They don't like to be talked down. Look at, I mean, it didn't stop Marlon Brando from winning for The Godfather. And you know how that acceptance speech turned out. So, um, That's The Godfather. Yeah, greatest movie of all time. No? Oh. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. No, oh, I was Here, like, Eric agrees. I was like, am I an island on my own here? <laughs> I mean, the greatest of all time. That's a hard. There's just so, so many. So many, I yes. know. But I, I mean, just don't think I could ever pick a greatest of all time. But that is a good movie. Yeah, it's hard to say, like, right? Like, what's the greatest? It's like me saying Grease 2 is the greatest. It's not the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, no. Don't even no. say that. That's Come like on. saying Michael Bay movie is the greatest of all time. It, no. no, um, no, it's true. When you say girls something like that, it's very hard. Time. What movie? <laughs> is Mean Girls the greatest movie I, of all time? Fun fact, I just saw Mean Girls for the first time this year. <laughs> What? Yeah, and I loved it. I thought it was great. That's worse than Saving Private Ryan. No, it's so good, though. I I loved it. I was very surprised how much I enjoyed it. Because I do. I I mean, it's worse to not have seen it than to not have seen Saving Private Ryan. (laughs) In my opinion. I have a very difficult time with comedies. So I the fact that I loved it so much was was something. Because we ended up seeing the Broadway show, and Jenny was like, you have to see the movie before you see the Broadway show. Or he wasn't going to get it. Or I wasn't going to get it. And I actually, 
the the movie's a hundred times better. The movie is better. It's a good show, but the movie is better. Yeah, the so, movie is just so good. Yeah, so rounding up lead actor, I have Robert De Niro and Taron Egerton for Rocket Man. Uh, and then lead actress, I have Cynthia Erivo for Harriet, Scarjo for Marriage Story, Alfrey Woodward for Clemency, Meryl Streep for The Laundromat. And I'm sure this will change after next week, but I still have Cape Lanchette for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? But it's, I think that's not, nothing's going to happen there. I'm so disappointed with that movie already, and I haven't even seen it. Yeah, so is um, Jen. <laughs> did you read the book? I did read the book, and I'm a Seattleite, so it's very, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's very close to my heart. And I so I feel like they gave away they gave it all away in the trailer and the book. I remember reading the book and I really I really enjoyed the book a lot. And, you know, you're reading it and there's like that whole mystery to it. And you're like, where did she go? Like, what's going on? And it builds up. I think the author did a a terrific job at, at doing that. And then I saw the trailer and I was so angry in the theater and I was like, no i was like why you gave it away and now someone that hasn't read the book isn't going to realize that but i feel like it just it takes it away i don't know yeah the marketing team has no idea what they're doing yeah and it's just disappointing because like imagine if a24 was putting this out there it just feels like it would be different it just isn't good and it's it's one of the things we loved about it was like how quintessentially seattle it was which is like one of the aspects of it that I think is lacking, at least from the trailers, is just so bubbly and kind of, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just not what the book was to And actually, me, so. the book, I felt like, was a lot more serious. I mean, it was... Yes, a, yeah. It really wasn't like this... I mean, not saying that this seems like a comedy, but right, I agree. It, it is a lot bubblier than mm-hmm. the book was. And it sucks because it's Richard Linklater. And, I'm sure he did a terrific job And I love Richard Linklater, so it. I'm surprised that it's and again it's probably the marketing team that it might be great yeah it might just be an awful trailer and we'll go in and see it and it might be great i'm like i said i'm definitely gonna go see it but it's just we'll find out a disappointing trailer we'll we'll find out in five days (laughs) because it drops (laughs) yeah it comes out this week um yes to add to your um the only the only thing that i would add to your leading actress predictions is I have a, a strong inkling that Aquafina is going to get in there from oh, the, for farewell. the farewell. Have you guys seen it yet? I'm, I, I have it on my list. Oh, it's so good. Definitely go check it out. Is we, it a foreign really film or it. is it in English? It basically is a foreign film. It's mostly in Mandarin okay. subtitled, but it, but it's a beautiful family portrait and I, I'm a sucker for family dramas and this is just a perspective I've never seen before. I, and I could felt that it was from an authentic perspective, and I really appreciated you know, that. Do you know what it's about, Jen? I do not. So they, there's a their grandmother is going to, she's dying, mm-hmm. but they don't tell her. So they throw like a party Aww. as a one last time for everyone to be together with her. Oh my and god! That, I feel like I probably start crying from the beginning. <laughs> I just got chills. Yeah, it's very, it's so moving, and the and the. Aquafina is great in it. Uh, it's her first serious role, and I think she, I think she's gonna. She got praise. Oh, she's gotten a lot of praise already, but I think hopefully she'll inch in um, into that category later on in the season. But the grandmother who uh, plays Nene in the movie, um, sorry, <laughs> Nene the grandmother, played by an actress whose name I don't know, mm-hmm. um, is also brilliant. She is so good, and if she got a supporting actress nomination, I would be thrilled she's so 
And that's okay. actually the category that's very light for me too. So if it uh, if it gets a lot of Oscar praise, she may go along for the ride because right now supporting actress is my weakest category right now in my predictions. I actually think um first best act lead actress is the hardest to call this year so far. I mean it's August. We still have a while to go. Um, but moving on to supporting actor, I have Brad Pitt as my number one because I thought he was incredible. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of his performances. I understand, you know, the aura he brings to films, but I've never really been a f- big fan of his performances. But I thought he was really great in Hollywood. I have mm-hmm. Al Pacino at number two, and that's being very cautiously optimistic because I love Al Pacino and doesn't he hasn't done anything great in a very 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 long time although i did like danny collins i don't know if you guys have seen that that's he's pretty fun in that um i have matthew reese for a beautiful day in the neighborhood as my number three as leslie odom jr at harriet and i have william defoe in the last thing he wanted i'm not sure if that's gonna pan out but defoe seems like he's due for one and to to finish up this i have supporting actress i have annette benny because i hear she's really great in the report I have Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Nicole Kidman for The Goldfinch, ScarJo for Jojo Rabbit, and Margot. Right now, she's my number five for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that would be quite the nomination if Margot gets in there. Yeah, I I don't think it'll happen, but that's people why... would be up in arms. Yes, yes, absolutely. I I don't I don't think it'll happen, but I have her in there because it's just a weak category so far. I agree with Brad Pitt for a best supporting, but I'm curious what your perspective is on Ad Astra, if you think that'll get any love. It looks decent, but I think that's a movie that can go either way. I don't think that's going to be there's going to be a middle ground for it. I think it's a tech play, if that. But I, but it could be a good if he's good in it, and the movie does well tech wise. I think it could catapult him as like the quintessential number one for supporting actor like it's a it's a, a year reward for for brad not just a reward for one movie because you know the oscars yeah do that all the time sure. so but yeah i mean the movie does look good uh at astra i mean, i'm looking forward to seeing that but it feels like more like a tech play than anything else right now but i could be wrong because it is it, i think it's hitting tiff from the last last that I saw. That brings us to what we're here for today. And we're going to have a good old fashioned top yes. 10. So I'm so nervous. Oh, so <laughs> nervous. I, I, I guarantee everyone will destroy me for some of my picks. So it's totally I cool. I just feel like my picks are so subpar. And because I don't <laughs> watch much. So I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I told Jenny one of my picks, and she immediately written me a new one. So I expect it to Ooh, be. Ooh, Jenny, chime in when that happens. Cause I want to know, just in case we all no, do it. <laughs> you, you all are gonna destroy me on one of these, so it's okay. So pretty much, I'm our... already billing on a couple that you guys have. <laughs> so like, I'm crossing my fingers. So top ten on-screen couples, film and TV. I Jenny didn't want to do that. Jenny wanted to just to split ten and ten, but I feel this would be a, a little bit more of a challenge. So. I'm going to, we're going to do it the same way we always do. Uh, I'm going to start it off and go 10 through six and go on, and we go on five through two and then we finish up with our number one and we talk a little bit more about that. So I went out there and these are my favorite. It may not, you know, best and favorite are two different things there. So my number 10 is actually Albert and Ardman from the birdcage. 
Oh, that almost made my That's list. That's a cute one. So That's adorable. So my number nine. R.I.P. Robin Williams. R.I.P. Um, I actually five years ago today. I saw the Birdcage uh, about four or five years ago for the first time, thanks to Jenny. And I love him and Nathan Lane together. They're so funny, and their chemistry is top notch. My number nine. He- hear me out before I say what my number nine is. It's more on the. <laughs> it's they're not always lovey dovey, and there is a lot of friction that goes on. Their relationship at that time is toxic, but I feel their chemistry together throughout the show's run and my love for the show just put them as one of my favorite couples to watch on tv so my number nine is uh tony and carmela soprano wait say it again right on. <laughs> oh. i actually asked ryan if that was on his list tony like, and carmela soprano and he's like, i'm not gonna tell you so <laughs> so yeah, when I told Jen that was on my list, what did you say? I mean, I definitely a, relationship, what? a relationship doesn't have to be good to make it still iconic. Yes, and that right. relationship is or iconic. Or else our lists suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number eight is, Jenny would like this one. I have George and Mary Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, I didn't even oh. think of that. So I just, I just love how their relationship develops throughout the film as kids, as she's the one that has a crush on George, and then they grow up, and he's about to, he's going to leave uh, Bedford Falls, and then he ends up marrying her, and they you know, live happily ever after at the end. Uh, my number seven is Ellie and Carl from Up. You only need 10 minutes. Knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Chose that. Knew it. So yeah, good. You only need ten minutes, and you have you understand why they're so perfect for each other. And it's also the mm. most depressing moment in a Disney movie ever. Uh, <laughs> my number six, uh, because I love the film so much. Even though they don't end up together, I do love everything about me and Sebastian and La La Land. Um, I. Wow, that's a lot lower than I thought. I thought it was going to be much higher on your list. No, no. Yeah, Ryan definitely said this morning, I wonder where <laughs> La La Land lands on David's list. Yeah, so I I know, you know, I actually like the end of the movie. Some people don't. Um, but I do love their relationship throughout the entire film. And it's always, since the movie came out three years ago, it's stuck with me as one of my favorite on-screen couples. So, yeah, that's my 10 through 6, Jen. So, um, my 10... Is Chuck and Blair from Gossip Girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite him being slightly rapey in the beginning, in the first episode. So rapey. Um, he, he grew himself. as a character, yeah. though. He like, grew. You and... started loving him at the end. But first season, you want to deck him in the face. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, number nine, Andy and April from Parks and Rec. Um, because they're really, really super cute together, and you see the transition of their relationship as it goes. And um, number eight, Jim and Pam in the office. That is so low, man. It is low. It is low. But it's so low. <laughs> <laughs> David sounds really heartbroken. By but that. it is my. Yeah, list. I'm a little heartbroken. Uh, number seven, Corey and Topanga. Because I think um, they were like probably one of, I feel like they were probably one of the first couples when we for were a kids, lot of us yeah. when we were kids that we could relate to. Yeah. Um, or at least see and we got to see them sort of, you know, grow up and then like they were together, then they weren't together and then they were together again. So, and then number six, this one is because I just love the show a lot. So for me, um, Kevin and Winnie in the Wonder Years. So Aww. they don't. So something about like the the series finale. They don't end up together. They do don't they? end up together. Yeah, I forgot no, about that. But I think they ended it in 
such a good way that like they you know they grew up together they loved each other but they realized like they just it after that it just didn't um but right they don't all have to be happy endings so that's my six through ten all right go ahead Ry. i actually have a couple honorable mentions uh dean and lisa supernatural angel and buffy uh i have to throw this on just to show some love jay and justice Alan Pegg from Married with Children, and uh, Frank and Claire from Scrooge. My oh, number cute. 10 is um, Anne and Joe from Roman Holiday. Love their story. I just love the dynamic in the movie. Um, number 9, Willow and Tara from Buffy. Um, just such a great story. I love like how the two introverts kind of came together and they met and then Obviously, ends in tragedy for anyone who watched the show. Uh, number eight, Claudio and Jane from A Bronx Tale. Uh, oh, just, okay. again, one of the, such a great love story. I love just their dynamic together and just th- them dealing with the differences in their ways of life and where they're from and everything. Um, and number seven, Marshall and Lily. And number six, Carly and Sonny. Nice. All right, Casey, what do you got? Oh my god, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Don't tear me apart. Um, my number 10 is Fran Fine and Maxwell Shepard from The Nanny. Um, <laughs> it is. They're really nine, cute. They are. And I always loved, like, before they got together, like, all the, like, funny, like, sexual induendo tension, you know, 90s sitcom that they had. And then when they finally got together, it was always, like, really cute and everything. Um, number nine is Sandy and Danny from Greece. Um, so eight, okay, well, shut up. It's not your list. Um, eight is uh, Patrick and Kat from 10 Things I Hate About You because I loved that movie and every time I have to sit down and watch it because why not? Um, seven is who I think Ryan and I are going to be as parents, except w- the reboot style, um, uh, is Dan and Roseanne Connor from Roseanne. Um, <laughs> and then six is Tiffany and Pat from Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, I like that. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Sandra, Eric, what do you guys got? So we did it a little bit differently uh, okay. because we thought we might showcase the way our podcast works. All right, if you guys it. don't mind. No, go, so for we, it. go for it. So we drafted um, our picks. Um, so we took turns picking our top five on each category. So we could wait till the end to reveal what ours are, but we, we ended up choosing them. Why don't you go ahead and just do it from the top up? We'll do the 10 through 6. So go from the bottom from our draft. You don't want to. Our draft doesn't make sense that way because <laughs> okay. we both with there's two number fives and two number fours and two number threes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. So how about this? We're gonna work through our five through two and then you guys save your number one for last bit of discussion. That sounds good. Perfect. All right. So my number five is Corey and Topanga from Boy Meets World. It's kinda what Jen said. It's like the first couple as kids that we saw. We kinda grew up with them throughout the show. Uh, my number four is Adrian and Rocky from Rocky. What? Okay. Cute. Oh, no, because I've always found their relationship so endearing, and I think it's added more with the last two Creed movies. Even starting from Rocky Balboa when she's passed away, how much he cares about her and how much he feels like he's has no reason to live because she's not around anymore. 
And I think that shows more emphasis to the importance of the relationship. So that's why I have it at number four. Uh, my number three, little shout out to my favorite TV show and my favorite redhead, Lucy and Ricky Ricardo. Uh, I Love Lucy is my number three. And number two is Jim and Pam in The Jim Office. Go ahead, Jim. Okay. So mine, my number five is Zach and Kelly from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> I almost put them on my list. Honey. It's okay. Were, I almost put them on my list. It's uh, also inclusive of the Saved by the Bell TV movies as well and the college years towards the end. And then when they get married in Las Vegas, that TV movie, if anyone ever saw that. So that includes their whole relationship. They break up, they get back together, they break up, but ultimately they end up together. Uh, number four is from one of my favorite movies ever. West Side Story. So Maria and Tony. That was an odd. That almost made um, my list. I don't know. I just feel like it's yes, they met and it was very, very fast and whatever. But I think they just he loved a her great and like job. he but loved their her. Love was strong. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait hold up. I love West Side Story, but he loved her in like thirty-two minutes. Well, that happens sometimes. I don't sometimes know. when you know, you know, David. Come on, yeah. you have you ever seen The Bachelor, no. David? No. Do they love? <laughs> do they love each other really quick on that show? Yep. Oh. I'm just, letting, many, I'm like, just letting you know. It happens. <laughs> um, number three, uh, Harry and Sally from When Harry Met Sally. I've always really loved that movie. And I love that, you know, at first they hate each other or they can't stand each other. Well, first they're like, whatever. And then they like really just detest each other as they're starting to grow. And then they meet years later again. And then like eventually like the friendship bonds and then they go they're dating other people and i just love the progression of their relationship and until where it ends at the end um number two is princess leia and han solo is my number two which i have a feeling is david's number one because he just gave me a dirty look <laughs> he's but, like mm, probably could still get this marriage annulled yeah, yeah. still got time um, so that's my number two all right uh go ahead right um, number five is Holden and Alyssa from Chasing Amy. Really, though? I got to call I... you out on this one, right? <laughs> no, that's fine. Go ahead. No, I do love their relationship. I love how, like... I think their relationship they to... fucking sucks, man. Uh, their friendship, but more than anything, was a better part than their relationship was what it was. I mean, that emotional scene in the rain that, you know, just in the, mon the monologue in the very end between, uh, like, that... Between Holden, Banky, and Alyssa, just their entire—I really did enjoy the dynamic and how they kind of grew, and then just how everything hit. How even just the guys' inadequacies, because you don't really get that much in movies. Is the guys' feeling of inadequacies is what screwed them in the end or out of the relationship? I don't know. I've kind of always dug that. All right, go ahead. Um, sorry, my phone stopped. Um, number three, Danny and Sandy, uh, from Greece was actually my first favorite movie couple. Like, I grew up on Greece. There's not really a line I can't say from that movie. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, I again, I also kind of goes with, I loved how they both wanted to change for each other in the end, and they kind of canceled it out, and they still kind of stayed the same. Um, and number, which one am I on now? Two. Shit, I lost. Two. two. Number two is um, Pepper and Tony. Who? Pepper and Tony from Iron Man? Yeah. Oh. Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Ryan. Also, wait. That was, that was supposed to be honorable mention. Mine's actually Han and Leia as well. I apologize. I, my, list got all, my phone got all messed up. 
Ryan, I can't. My phone glitched. Something, t- something <laughs> telling me that Ryan literally just changed that right now because we all just. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like not the reaction. I was like, oh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> Go ahead, Casey. All right. My number five, Dave and I agreed on it. So it's Corey and Topanga from Boy Meets World. Um, number four is Seth and Summer from the OC. Uh, three is Luke and Leia from Star Wars. Sorry, David. We can also get divorced. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then number two is the one we all just kind of fought about, Tony and Maria from West Side Story. Nice. All right. So you guys want to do your draft picks until you get to number one now? So usually we do them in order, so we can do our draft picks starting at number two, All right, and then good. and then get to number one later. All right. Um, one thing we right off the bat we didn't consider TV couples <laughs> because we never considered TV, so it just totally escaped our our mind. But that's okay. No, that's fine. Um, but I just wanted to quickly um, mention. Uh, Ross and Rachel, because <laughs> nobody else had mentioned Ross and Rachel, and because they were on a break, they Come were on, on a break, <laughs> they were on a break, but then they weren't, and then sure. they were, and so then they, it, yeah, so <laughs> it's just worth noting, a very iconic TV couple. Um, but we, so the way we do our drafts, we we roll the dice, and whoever gets the highest number goes first and so this time I got to go first so meaning I got to pick my second pick first too and I chose Ali and Noah from the notebook uh, because I love them and I <laughs> love uh, Noah particularly that's when I first fell in love with Ryan Goslin I think we along all with fell in love women with in America Gosling. I think um, and then my number three is uh, the wait first of all then Eric's number two is uh, my number two was Enos and Jack from Brokeback Mountain. Nice. I like that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and then my number three uh, was Beauty and the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, Belle and the Beast. Um, that uh, was the f- the live couple. action one, right? <laughs> uh, no, firmly a no. Uh, the 1991 animated music romantic <laughs> fantasy from Disney, um, to be specific. Uh, but I just loved it. It was the first couple I kind of... Uh, fell in love with, which became problematic um, later in the year <laughs> when what? I was just looking for slubby beasts to 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 hey, perform. I don't know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> it's okay, I love slubby beasts too. Uh, <laughs> and then Eric's number three was Sandy and Danny from Greece. So lots, we're Greece fans too. Um, and then this was where we got contentious, like all of you, apparently, because I took Princess Leia and Han Solo and Eric gave me lots of dirty looks. I mean, I should have I should have drafted him earlier. My only thing with them is that they're like basically not a couple through all of the movies. It's only just romantic tension with a baby but in the middle. I love you. <laughs> I know. And he knows. Uh, so that was my number four. And then Eric's number four. Uh, Ian Miller and Tula Pantico. Oh, wait. How do you say it? Uh, Portico. <laughs> He's trying to say Portacalos and yeah. Ian Miller for my big fat <laughs> That's right. Oh, Terrible accent. I was wondering where you. I had no <laughs> and idea. this is what he gets because I was going to draft that movie and he took it for me. So yeah, that almost made my list too because I do. I do really. Well, I love the movie and I think they, they're adorable together. Oh, they're so cute. Um, so that was 
his number four. And then my number five was Allie and Jackson Maine from A Star is Born um, because I loved A Star is Born. Same here. Um, this is a 2018 version. Um, and yeah, they're a very dysfunctional couple, but palpable love. I mean, off and on screen, right? Definitely off screen. Well, she's dating someone else, right? Sure, now. she is. She is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And then uh, my final pick is uh, John and Jane from Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, right on. Right on, yeah. I have. That's when they first started dating, too, right? Yeah. Around that movie? Well, it is, yeah. yes. Yes. It is. Well, it's rumored that that movie is what broke up Brad and Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So, yeah. brings us to our number one. Uh, my number mm-hmm. one's kind of obvious right now. Uh, Princess Leia. No, what? <laughs> Princess Leia and Han Solo. <laughs> so, like, I totally get what you what Eric was saying before. They never, he never asked, you know, will you be my lovey-dovey? But Jen can attest, I never actually asked her to be my girlfriend either. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> I do I remember tried. saying that story. <laughs> I tried to do that with Sandra, but she wouldn't let me. <laughs> I wouldn't what? But you you made it oh, like, yeah, oh, we're going to go out on a date. It's yeah. fun. I, I, he was just trying to morph into a relationship. I was like, absolutely not. We will go on a proper date. That's actually what happened with us. We went on a pro- we went on our first date, but then we just kept dating. Well, we kept dating. And yeah. It, and then it, like two months later, I was like, are so we something? Are we, are we like official? Serious? Are we what? I, I mean, I wasn't dating anyone else, but I didn't know what he was thinking and I didn't want to assume. And so I was like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, um, like, I, yeah, I didn't know. That's I okay, Ryan. I are you. so different. Ryan, now you know like how three days into, felt. Uh, <laughs> three days into knowing each other, so yeah. In, ter- yeah. in terms of the Han, the Han and Leia thing, I, I'm a huge, huge Star Wars fan. It's my favorite film franchise of all time, and I've always found their relationship to be, while you know, at first very combative. I've always found that to be very charming as well and i think despite that some of the heat that the new movies get which i do enjoy force awakens and last jedi i think force awakens does a great job just in that one moment of them hugging that Mm -hmm. that love has always been there and they have a kid together too so you know ben is going to be a lot the (laughs) he's going to be the the rise of the skywalker so ben but no, I've always and that classic moment of "I love you, I know" was actually was actually our cake topper at our wedding. Oh my it gosh, so we cute. had we're such nerds, guys. We had champagne flutes that said "I love you, I know" That's on our great. wedding. That's fantastic. Like I, I, I think we actually got married in a movie theater, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, amazing. As nerdy I can get, that's what we did. We did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like I've always felt such a love for those two characters and princess leia as a character and and i love carrie fisher i i don't usually cry when celebrities die because i don't really feel any connection to them or like that but like when carrie fisher died i was broken up about it like Mm -hmm. i was tearing up at work like oh my god and we had met her a few months before she passed away so i guess that's why it kind of hit me a little yeah we got lucky at that hit me a little a little more but yeah no princess princess leia and han solo that's my number one what about you jen jack and rose no no that was terrible um lucy and ricky ricardo i thought you didn't count them (sighs) it's not that i didn't count them because when i was going through 
all so, so right like a lot of these couples sometimes they don't make it or when you know like the real life story i mean they they were together for 20 years in real life so they loved each other and it was you know and even after that they still loved each other it was just they couldn't they couldn't it just be didn't married work, yeah. anymore and like that's fine but they still always had a special place but on the show itself like they were a great couple they were you know i mean it for the time so some people today could be like well he was always like not letting her do things and not whatever but if you really watch the show, she didn't give a shit about that. Like, she <laughs> went straight and did whatever she wanted, no matter what. And he, you know, while he would, there would be moments in the episodes where, like, he would break. You could tell Desi was really laughing because just, like, at the things, like, he was trying to be serious. And then, you know, when he was mad at her. But he couldn't really be mad. And um, I think they were such a fun couple to to watch growing up. And so, yeah. Even not just growing up today. Yeah. They're just fun. They're just always great to watch together. Yeah. So that's my number one. All right, Rai, go ahead. Uh, my number one is Cory and Topanga from Boy Meets World. Just seeing their relationship go from not even like, you know, Cory not even liking girls yet and, not liking, and Topanga not liking boys at all or anything really except for starry stuff. But, uh... <laughs> And then just their relationship grow, and then when they got married, and when they broke up, and then you know, just like one for whatever reason, one of the uh, episodes I'll always stick in my head is when uh, the baby brother is born, but he's like having a lot of issues, yeah. And he's and Corey's and Sean tries to get Topanga to be weird for Corey again. That came off sounding a lot dirtier than I meant it. I apologize. Just um, putting lipstick on her face. Yeah, like doing the lipstick thing and like being the, like, I don't know, something about that episode I absolutely love and just their entire relationship. It was the first couple for me, at least. Nice. Casey? All right, well, I mean, Jenny already said it, but it's fine. I guess we can be twinsies on this one. My, uh, my number one is Lucy and Ricky from I Love Lucy because I just love their relationship and it just kind of like, it was always that relationship that I looked at when I was younger. And I guess that was kind of, you know, how everyone says Corey and Topanga was the first like real relationship. I feel like I was watching I Love Lucy so much before that, that they were always like my number one couple growing up. Like I always reverted back to how, you know, I know like Jenny was saying, like in real life, they didn't make it, but on screen, like their relationship was always like fun and honest in, you know, on TV. And it wasn't like they were always perfect. And I know Lucy always caused trouble, but, um, they're always my number one. They're always the ones I go back to and I have to like, just love them forever. So what you're saying is you want Ryan to yell at you in Spanish? Uh, he can't even speak English half the time, so <laughs> it's fine. All right, guys. Sandra and Eric, what do you guys have for your number one? Okay. Uh, I'll go first. My number one pick was the movie or the Jack. Sorry, let me go back. My I number one pick was Jack and Rose from Titanic. Oh, this this it. was it's the most iconic movie couple in my mind. Um, and I just love them so much both Leo and Kate Winslet and I think this cemented them both as like America's sweethearts for a long time and I couldn't agree more I love them 
I wish that they would be together in real life, actually. So because they're such good friends, and, like, I always wanted them, but, you know, Leo and his younger models, so that won't happen. But yeah. I think they're, they're, oh, they always have, they have very good on-screen chemistry, you know, even in Revolutionary Road, which is a really... I was just going to say that, yeah, yeah. They're fantastic in that movie, both of them. Um, it's, a, it's a rough movie to watch, though. I mean, it's very... It gets into parts where it's just very, and it's funny because right, I think Sam Mendes actually directed it. Did he? Yeah, and he was married to Kate at the time, so, um, I think they've they always anytime they work together they do really really well. So I'm holding out for the next Leo and Kate movie. To Titanic two. No, no, don't do that. Not Titanic. Two. <laughs> All right, Eric, what do you got for your number one pick? Uh, and my number one pick was uh, Sarah, uh, Sally and Harry from When Harry Met Sally, uh, just because I think that's uh, such an iconic rom-com and you love the focus on their relationship. Uh, so many great lines. Uh, so my number one pick. And nobody writes dialogue like Nora Ephron, right? Yeah. No. I, I need to see that movie. I haven't seen that. Movie. It's such a great oh. movie. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it either. It's okay. Yeah, I gotta get on that. Well, Casey, do we like have it. a suggestion for something you can do tonight? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that pretty much wraps everything up for this week. Uh, Ryan, Casey, thank for joining us. Sandra, Eric, thank you for Ready joining time. us. Thank you for having us. And see you next week, kids. Yeah.